Take advantage of Johnson & Johnson's winter wellness event and get rewarded. It pays to be prepared for the season. Get sweet deals from Johnson & Johnson's Winter Wellness Event now through December 3rd. If you purchase $15 or $25 of participating products at BJ's, you can get a $5 or $10 reward. Plus, you can even enter to win a Visa Rewards card. Purchase at BJ's, upload your receipt, and choose your reward. It pays to be prepared at BJ's. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed and right now you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 okay so fuck mary kill marjorie taylor green lauren bobert myra flores um i do not know who those bitches are respectfully (laughs) they're all far-right congresswomen oh shit okay then i take back the respectfully they're either like really trumpy or really QAnon-y or like both but they're hot I mean, Google it and see for yourself. And okay. I encourage listeners to play along at home if you can. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to kill Marjorie because she's chopped. True. <clears throat> um, I'm going to fuck Lauren Bobert and I'm going to marry our Mexican queen, Myra Flores, because I feel like she would be into the trad wife thing. And I love a home cooked meal and a woman who believes reading is not in her best interest, to be honest. I 100% agree. I'm backing you on this. My only thing is that I feel like it mm-hmm. might be hard to kill Marjorie Taylor Greene because of her bear-like physique. <laughs> Do not. Come Isn't she like a wrestler? She like does CrossFit. She, she has like a bear-like physique. Well, like, you always said you wanted to hug a bear. Not that bear. <laughs> not that bear. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, but you agree with my choices yeah maybe. i do okay i'm glad we're on the same page it's um empowering when women stick together 100 percent agree yeah okay. <laughs> uh, i can't believe you've never heard of any of them though well you know i don't concern myself with knowing politicians because i get pussy and i actually have no time to waste oh so you can either get pussy or know who politicians right, are that's how I'm, i've figured it always has worked fair enough <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, um, well, we forgot to do the intro p- the past couple episodes. So we're sorry. We're going to be yes, good this time. Yeah, we will be consistent. Um, I'm Evangelia. And I'm Emily. And welcome to What's Going to Happen. A lot of people have noticed, maybe, that the Republicans of old are not the same beast as the Republicans that we're dealing with today. Hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like, what is the difference and which 
two eras are of Republicans are you comparing? Well, there's been a certain rightward shift that I think began with the Tea Party movement in 2009, um, because before that, Republicans were Bush Republicans. Now, for the record, Bush, not really a moderate, but now is considered a moderate compared to Republicans, but the compared to Republicans now, but the mainstream Republicans of that time were kind of like moderate status quo believes in lower taxes, some social issues. They're still, you know, they're still socially conservative, not to the extent of a Trump Republican. Mm -hmm. You'll hear people now like defining themselves against this concept, literally saying I'm not a Bush Republican or even I'm not a Romney Republican because Romney was also more moderate than some of the right wing politicians we see nowadays, even though he was really pretty right wing. Yeah, it's insane that people consider George Bush and Mitt Romney to be too moderate. Like and what even kind of a name is Mitt? Like Mitt Mitt Mitt. You're a grown ass man and your name shouldn't have that many letters in common with the word mitten. In my it's mind. From Utah. That's just the kind <laughs> Honestly, of name they come up with over there. No, I get it. I don't know. Not big on not big on those guys personally. No, yeah. I mean, Utah congressional district candidate Andrew Badger literally says these folks like Mitt Romney and well, he said these folks like Mitt Romney and Blake Moore, they always cave to the left when the pressure gets turned on them. So we're not going to compromise for the sake of compromise. Hmm. Okay. So and the, he's from Utah too, and that's he's said, also yeah, from Utah. Yeah. Look at that. Hmm. What's going on in Utah, guys? <laughs> that's been a question people have had for. <laughs> I mean, Utah is literally it's like it's Mormon that's Israel. True. So what do you think is going to happen? Utah is Israel for Mormons. It's, it's the homeland. Yeah. I get it. Okay. Yeah. No, it checks out. But generally what you're saying is that these modern Republicans are just more radical than... Yeah, and they also are Trumpy. They love Trump. Mm -hmm. And so you said something about the Tea Party earlier that I want to go back on. How did how did that movement in 2009 start shifting people in this direction? Yeah, so the Tea Party pretty much positioned itself in opposition to the more moderate side of the Republican Party. So they kind of opened the door for pushing a rightward shift. I think after that, there were like memes and extremism and other things that served as a huge push as well. And then, of course, Trump was like the final catalyst. Um, a lot of the Tea Party members that were members of the Tea Party are now caucusing with the Freedom Caucus, which is like the Trumpy Caucus in Congress. Cock, 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 caucus. <laughs> That's all you took away from that. Uh -huh. yeah. That's it. No, Evangeli just has a mental cock count in her head. Because like, you said it like four times, times back to back. Oh, oh, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy because I noticed things. Sorry, I'm observant. Okay. <laughs> I also think that Sarah Palin was like a pre-Trump in a way. Mm -hmm. Like if Trump was a MILF, he would be Sarah Palin. <laughs> She's hotter. Everyone, uh, everyone oh, thought she Trump <laughs> as a woman. That would be atrocious. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm just, you know, mm -hmm. we don't know until we see it. But no, yeah, she was. Trump everyone thought she was dumb. Gender. She developed a cult of personality. You know, she was more right-leaning. Affirming surgery. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you're right you're right doesn't your dad have a crush on sarah palin he does have a big collection of sarah palin <laughs> magnets and mugs men supporting women in politics yeah, with no it. ulterior <laughs> motives whatsoever yeah that's it just has a magnet on your fridge or two yes <laughs> it's actually more than two 
No, yeah, yeah. It seems like there's like a sense of machismo that comes with wanting to be even more right wing than fellow Republicans. Like being as conservative as possible is considered strong or masculine because you're defensive of your country and you're more adamant about your beliefs. And it's funny because even though the same is true when you're extreme on both sides of the political spectrum, the further left you are, the more they make you seem like a cuck or something. You know, it's like gendered opposites too. Definitely. I think a lot of right-wing rhetoric is about upholding traditional gender roles, refusing to be cucked Mm -hmm. because compromising anything is seen as submitting. Yeah, I guess because like leftists are more subversive about gender and expression like they kind of lean into those stereotypes of being like pansies (laughs) while conservatives will deny at any sign of transgression with white knuckles and a red face. Like they, they just says a lot about the person who is set on upholding traditions when those traditions weren't used to build culture they're used as tools to oppress other people exactly boom boom so (laughs) weren't you telling me too about how when you went to cpac which for those of you who don't know or don't remember from last episode it's the conservative political action coalition conference conference the conservative political action conference that's what i said last episode but then i uh, uh, oh my god my dog died That'd be funny. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you get so scared. I know. Yeah, I know. You, that flashed before your eyes. You were like, it's just because I said that thing about killing dogs. <laughs> Karma. Um, but no, yeah. Sorry. Is it okay. actually the coalition? I looked it up. You looked it up. Because I was just making sure because I was like, yeah. I said conference last time, but I, I actually was just like saying that off the dome. Like, oh, I'm not sure. okay. Well then, conservative. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Right. I think so. That's what comes up when you Google it. Hey, everybody can fact check me. I think that that's what it was. But yeah, like, um, but yeah, there was a big presence of attendees there who seemed to be much further white, white. Wow. That was something that was a Freudian slip, like right wing. (laughs) Yeah, true. Then like even the conservative speakers. Yeah, so, like, for instance, I mean, conservatives are known for being very pro-private school and mm-hmm. charter school. Yeah, and pro-taking funding away from public schools. Yeah, that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this interesting moment when I was at CPAC where there was this one speaker who complained, like, there was the speaker who was like, oh, there wasn't enough Christianity in the public school curriculum, so I moved my daughter to a private school, and a woman in the audience literally shouted, we don't want charter schools, we want the government to put God back in school. Mm. Damn. So there's this, like, shift of people who, like, I guess I used to see it as super conservative people wanted to segregate their own beliefs and kind of differentiate themselves from like the quote unquote liberal media. But it seems like now conservatives want to indoctrinate everyone. And I guess, I mean, I guess they always have, but it seems like, like the push for creating an authoritarian theocracy is getting a lot stronger. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't want to just like take funding away from public schools. They want the big daddy government to put Mm. God into schools. Right. So do you think that that argument for shifting towards a public school agenda instead of just holding that elitist perspective of separating into private schools, is that because middle and lower class conservatives have become more platformed? And like from, you know, the Trump administration, I feel like he just had like a big impact on mobilizing that whole community and like, you know, giving them something to believe in. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's part of it. Maybe there's some like lower class conservatives that I know there are lower class conservatives that really like feel they really feel represented by Trump. Mm-hmm. But um, oh wait, what was I gonna say? Oh right, I think part of it. But I think part of it is that like it's all conservatives. They don't want there to be a choice. Like it's not mm. even about like class for this schools thing. It's just like they don't want there to be a choice. They want there to have to be God in schools. 
So it's not even about what's being taught in the schools that their kids go to. It's not like a personal matter. They want everyone to have to function this way. Like this is, it's no longer a family matter. Right, exactly. And everyone's saying that the phenomenon of Trumpism and the GOP moving further to the right is about economic anxiety is a bullshitter. Mm -hmm. This is not the white working class. This is the white middle and upper class. I always say that fascism is a middle class phenomenon. Of course, we can argue if Trump is a fascist or not, blah, 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 but it's whatever. No, no, that's true. And when it came to the January 6th moment that we had here, they actually found that many of the insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol were white collar workers, business owners, and foreignpolicy.com says that Of the 501 people for which we have employment data, more than half are business owners, including CEOs or from white-collar occupations, including doctors, lawyers, architects, and accountants. Exactly. So these are are big guys. They're guys with a little bit more money than maybe they're painted to be in the media. It seems like liberal media kind of wants to frame... Trumpies and stuff as being just like white trash they don't or whatever. They want to, they want to dis, both like the rich liberals in the media want to distance themselves from these people. It's a form of classism. Yeah. And they want to mm-hmm. distract from the fact that these guys don't have economic anxiety. They're just racist. Right, but that could be like a dangerous thing to promote because then you don't know that how much power these people have that you're mm-hmm. dealing with. Exactly. But it's mainly, I mean, these people are mainly going to be middle, upper middle class because the thing is the super rich, like the rich people, Mm -hmm. they like the current status quo. They want their neoliberalism because that's what's most beneficial to them. Um, The middle class wants to move up. Mm -hmm. So, and doesn't mind stepping on poor people to do so. And will gladly, they'll very gladly step on poor Mm -hmm. people to move up. It's the grabbers. The grabbers are grabbing. The The grabbers stay grabbing. Uh, yeah, no. And, and being politically engaged in general, especially to the extent of like have organizing things and going somewhere and like just like making it a predominant part of your life is a privilege because lower income people don't have time and don't have the money to campaign for their beliefs. You know, they have to focus on surviving before they can consider revolutionizing society. It's like one thing. At a, so you got to save yourself in your own first. And didn't you say that even going to CPAC costs around three hundred dollars if you're not a student? Yeah, something like that. Two hundred, three hundred dollars. Yeah, like that's hundreds of dollars. So that's and like a very intentional. Yeah, you have to pay for hotel. Part of the experience is staying in the hotel. Oh, in your humble opinion, your Yelp review. In, yeah. Of staying there on your romantic retreat with your girlfriend. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, but people who are politically involved definitely tend to be more well off, and those who mm-hmm. aren't as well off tend to either not be politically involved or they tend to be more to the left because that's what's going to benefit them. Um, at least in some cases, the Institute for Research on Labor Employment published a study saying that consistent data on American voting patterns suggests that those from relatively lower class backgrounds with lower income education and occupation status tend to vote less than their more advantaged upper class counterparts. Wow. So is that a universal thing or is it predominantly in America? This is a pattern throughout history. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually have seen it in fascist Italy in the early 1900s during the Red Years. So that's 1918 to 1920 were the Red Years in Italy um, where there was a lot of socialist. No, it was a lot of socialist activity in Italy. Never mind. Um, (laughs) There's an article. Not funny joke. Never mind. There's an article titled March on Rome on Encyclopedia Britannica. I mm. love Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, <laughs> shout out to Encyclopedia Britannica. Sponsorship one. Oh, yeah. never mind. You're not honored. You're actually so right. Yeah, I love Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, that says widespread social discontent aggravated by middle class fear of a socialist revolution mm-hmm. and by disappointment over Italy's meager gains from the peace settlement after World War I created an atmosphere favorable for Mussolini's rise to power. 
Interesting. So they really identify that middle class fear. Yeah, they're seeing- saying that there were these socialist, there was socialist aggravation during the red years coming from like trade unions and rural workers. Mm-hmm. And the middle class was like, we, we don't need want to suppress that yeah. before it sprouts up and takes something from us. Yeah. I see. So we're in a similar sentiment right now, and we can see that emerging in media with platforms of upper middle class, far right talking points and personalities. Like there's just a whole big melding between communities that would have otherwise been spread because of the interconnectedness of the internet. Oh yeah. I gotta love the interconnectedness of the internet. Always, um, always a theme in these episodes. It seems yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. A Not big sign. Rhyme. That the Republican Party is shifting is the language we're starting to see in right wing media and how that media is spilling into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, in 2017. Okay. No one would ever be able to talk about the Great Replacement publicly. But at this stage in the extremification, which I love that word extremification, sounds like bimbofication. <laughs> it's basically a talking point. Yeah, bimbofication came first. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. But, um, for those of the, those of those those of those those hoes who might Do-si-do. not <laughs> for the hoes that might not know about the great replacement because I was one of those hoes until you explained it to me but now I'm I'm a great replacement knowing thought <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I'm a great replacement thought <laughs> I was gonna but then I realized that that could be <laughs> that is not my beliefs. Um, but yeah, like, can you tell people what that is? <laughs> they understand why it's a good thing I didn't identify myself. Yeah, let's explain that real quick. Um, so there's many, there's a couple different great replacement theories, but the original idea pretty much is that the Jews are conspiring to make white people a minority in America and also Europe. This is global. Some people will it's tweak it worldwide. Yeah, and they're trying to bus in immigrants, get in migrants and, and refugees into America and Europe to make white people a minority. Some people will tweak it a little and replace Jews with liberals. Um, but if anyone says the phrase demographic replacement to you, just know they're probably a white supremacist. They also oftentimes say that the left is pro-PSC immigration into the U.S. to ensure more Democratic voters. So Damn. Tucker Carlson will say stuff it's like that. It's just funny to me that like the perfectly natural phenomenon of minorities expanding in size because it's more accessible and globalization is happening. And all like, of course, there's going to be like immigration. It's just so terrifying that some white people are confused by that. And, like, it's easier to think it's a conspiracy theory than the sensible sociological event that it is. You know, obviously there's going to be more kids of every different ethnicity and race now because there's people able to copulate across racial borders in a way that we never could before. And it's, like, that thing that they say about how how people used to look different overall. Like, you know, there's, like, 1920s face or, like, there's even trends on TikTok where they, like, talk about, like, what kind of era is your face from or whatever. There's just, like, they say, like, some people just look like they couldn't be from any other era than now based on how they look. You know what I mean? Like, someone's that like Drake looks like he knows what an iPhone is and like he could not True. be you know and it's because like there literally was an interracial mixing to this point that we see it now as that like I'm P- Greek Puerto Rican and Jewish I mean that literally would never happen like why would that happen at any other point in history the real tear is that white people are so dead set on preserving their role as a racial majority that they will just expand the definition of whiteness until they're right. a majority so, again if 
people that they would rather that than accept that they're a minority right yeah i mean it's happened in the past you know greeks italians and even irish people which is that one's kind of funny to me but they were like considered poc until they assimilated to fit into society and then and they were offered their tokens of whiteness at all and like their privilege as a reward for abandoning their cultures and a lot of the times they weaseled their ways into white spaces by being racist towards black and brown people and they formed that kind of like solidarity based on hatred like mothers against drunk driving right there you go forming solidarity based on hatred right it's just let me fucking drunk drive okay what's the big deal no yeah it's it's just like (laughs) come on guys (laughs) right are we a pro drunk driving podcast yes no we're not because we're anti-car whoa pro drunk -drunk biking Pro drunk driving because more people will be like, I'm not going to drive. There's too many. It's too scary. <laughs> That's true. We need to overload the road with drunk drivers until so people don't want to drive anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> they tried to do that with guns and school shootings and it did not work. Well, this time it's going to work. Okay. We're going to make it work. <laughs> No, I just, I mean, as much as I wish people were having this kind of discourse online, most of the discourse online is about like who can claim what percent of their ethnic identity and especially surrounding Latinos because of their muddy history of the racial alignment in this country. You know, like I guess it starts around 1848, for example, like after the Mexican-American War. They signed the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which basically said that Mexico would secede 50% of its land to the U.S., but the people of Mexico would have to claim like an American identity that's grounded in a deeper right than that of the white majority. So basically agreeing that they would get the same rights as white people and be seen as white in the eyes of the law. Interesting that you mentioned that because there are ethnic groups that have actually gone to court to be recognized as white by the law. There is a case called the United States versus Cartesian. Damn, what the fuck? They were like, they were not going to, the racially ambiguous allegations were not going to pass them. That's crazy. So, yeah, in 1925, there was this case in which the government wanted to cancel the citizenship of like a Turkish Armenian guy because he allegedly wasn't white. And at that time, you could only be naturalized if you were a quote unquote free white person. Uh, This is in 1925. 1925. That's crazy. That court case ended with the U.S. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, it's really. But that court case ended with the U.S. deciding West Asian people are white and he got to keep his citizenship. Oh, so he did. He passed the racially ambiguous allegations. He really did. He 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 put his pussy into that one. Yeah, no. I mean, I guess many groups have to sacrifice their ethnic identity to be recognized as equal citizens. And it's like you make that decision out of, you know, needing the privilege in society. It's not it's like you have to choose between your culture and your and your ethnicity. And like, even though obviously that doesn't hold up in practice and Latinas Middle Easterners and West Asianers are all treated differently if they're not white passing. It does speak to the relationship that a lot of people have with like racial identities. A lot of people want to be white because historically it's it's just the smartest idea. Like it's the best idea to align with whiteness, you know, but it can lead them turn like towards turning against their own people and harboring a lot of internalized racism and color colorism. This is like a huge reason why colorism crops up in communities. And it's really sad because like you see people accidentally upholding this white power structure by trying to convince themselves and each other that they aren't minorities when they are. And it's like a Stockholm syndrome that stops people from making radical change because everybody's just too caught up in trying to benefit themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, back then it was just the most favorable thing. Like, you want to be white, you have to sacrifice your privilege in favor of, like, revolutionizing society that wasn't what people wanted to do. Right, it wasn't feasible for people, especially when so many of them were first-generation immigrants and everyone was trying to, like, slip under the radar and not draw too much attention to themselves. Like, it wasn't going to start that way. Just like TikTok. Just (laughs) 
<laughs> right. This right. Yeah. This but all leads back to TikTok. It's true. Everything does. The four words. Far right Latina summer. For those of you who do not know, there was a New York Times article that arose titled The Rise of the Far-Right Latina <laughs> by Jennifer Medina that's basically about Myra Flores. My Mexican conservative wife from earlier. The very one. There she goes. <laughs> She's said to have achieved success by shunning moderates and wearing her Trumpism on her sleeve. Hardcore. Basically, mm. a bunch of some Latinas saw that <laughs> who were like right-wing and turned it into a meme about it being the summer of far-right Latinas. <laughs> which seems like a dream I would have when I was 12. It sounds like the epic tale <laughs> of old that would have been etched on a stone slab in Homeric times, the summer of far-right Latinas. <laughs> There's something so daunting about it. Like, Latinas just hold so much power. It's just terrifying to think of them <laughs> using it for evil. <laughs> very true. No, yeah. So for the people who take this content seriously, it serves a very similar role to, like, housewife or trad TikTok, which we kind of talked about in the last episode, where women who are seeking the validation of mostly far-right men, I think, will, like, brag about how traditional they are in their gender roles and how, like, well they assimilate to what they're supposed to be doing. The pick-me vibes, so to speak, you know? Like, to others, it becomes a meme, you know? It's not always about aligning with that identity yourself, but it's a prime example of extremist beliefs or believers being memefied, which we're seeing a lot recently. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of women who aren't even necessarily far-right. Just, I mean, they are, but they are, but they just pump out content <laughs> glorifying the housewife mm -hmm. lifestyle. Yeah, which is fine, by the way. I mean, no shades of housewives. I respect them. Like, I, I need one. But when you believe that you need to be subservient or a homemaker to fulfill your duty as a woman, then it starts to infringe on the decision-making of other people. And we get into those conservative talking points. A lot of the time, because, like, defining womanhood always leads to some turfy conversations. And it's yeah. just, like... Once you create those strict labels, it's an exclusionary thing, whether you mean it to be or not, to just like glorify a lifestyle that women have tried to escape from. But I love a good housewife as long as she's chill about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, circling back to what you like, you know, the people it's just like obsessed with buying containers and will just like spend the day containing everything. So you just want like a wife who's going to buy containers all day while you work? That sounds awesome. Like a Tupperware that, party. Are those the two genders? Like working, working and buying Tupperware. containers. Yeah. <laughs> Women be shopping. We were for containers. <laughs> for containers. <laughs> and, and her shit's held. <laughs> <laughs> so argue with her. But, you know, what do I look like? I have batteries like in my drawers, you know. she They're all stacked in hers. <laughs> my batteries are in my fridge because my dad is Puerto Rican. <laughs> Continue. Well, I was going to say, Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think it's very important to talk about containers as a sociological means of defining gender. Because people just want women to put everything in a box, close it up, and then put it in the fucking fridge. And that's not what we're about. But I really hit those peas, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Damn, I'm, you're beating the shit out of those peas. <laughs> I would love for you to do a freestyle rap about the container store <laughs> right now. Oh, fuck no. No, not today. But Fine, then I guess if you won't do a freestyle rap about the container store, we have to circle back to They're what not you paying were us. If they pay us. If they pay they us, should. they got it. They should pay us. Well, <laughs> we say that like they already owe us money. <laughs> <laughs> the container store owes us billions of dollars. Fuck up, okay? <laughs> That's so real. Anyway, you've been trying to talk for so long. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Anyways, what were you going to say? I was going to say that I'm circling back to what you were saying about extremist beliefs or believers being memefied. People mm-hmm. like Tucker Carlson, Tuck C, who is a. <laughs> Tuxy Buxy. <laughs> we from now on we are only going to refer to him as Tuxy Buxy. Tuxy Buxy the butt slut. <laughs> He's a super far right news anchor and has rivis- yes. has risen to prominence mm-hmm. in the mainstream recently. Yeah. Who is he though? For starters, he has the primetime slot, 8, 8 p.m. primetime slot mm-hmm. on Fox News. He replaced Sean Hannity, who, when I was at CPAC, Sean Hannity spoke and he jeweled on stage. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't really, really know who funny. he is, but I will bet- post the picture that I took of Sean Hannity jeweling on the Instagram. Oh, that's a good idea. All right. Yeah. Premium content, guys. Um, It made. His show, Tucker Carlson's, not Sean mm. Hannity. Boo, Sean Hannity. Tucker Carlson's show. Right, but yay, Tucker Carlson. No, boo, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> boo, both of them. Um, but Tucker Carlson's show became the highest rated cable news show in history. Uh, he says these crazy things. News stories generate about him. And because we live in an attention economy, he gets clout for being radical, whether it's coming from people who are morbidly fascinated by him, like me, or by fellow extremists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you've told me some shit that this guy says. He does not play. Yeah, he has said recently, he recently said that hospitals and schools are committing sex crimes, which I don't know exactly what he means. I'm pretty sure he means like gay, trans trans stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that his viewers have a quote unquote moral duty to exact instant justice no matter what the law says. Hmm. He had a special called Patriot Purge where he praised the January 6th insurrection and it was so radical that people who worked at Fox News literally resigned after it aired. <laughs> he's, he's scaring the hoes. He was scaring the hoes. He said that the, the British civilized India. Damn, what a what a fuckhead. He's also huge on the great replacement theory we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. We can insert a clip of him talking about that. I'm laughing because this is one of about 10 stories that I know you've covered um, where the government shows preference to people who have shown absolute contempt for our customs, our laws, Mm. our system itself, and they're being treated better than American citizens. Now, I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, mm. with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's mm. true. Mm. If, if look, mm. if this was happening in your house, if you were in sixth grade, for example, and without telling you, your kid, your parents adopted a bunch of new siblings and gave them brand new bikes and let them stay mm. up later and help them with their homework and gave them twice the allowance that they gave you. You would say to your siblings, you know, I think we're being replaced by by kids that our parents love more. And it would be kind of hard to argue against you because look at the evidence. So this matters on a bunch of different levels. But on the most basic level, it's a voting rights question. In a democracy, one person equals one vote. If you change the population, you dilute the political power of the people who live there. So every time they import a new voter, I become disenfranchised as a mm. current voter. So I don't mm. understand why we don't understand this. I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Ooh, the you know white replacement theory. No, no, no. This is a voting rights question. I have less political power because they're importing a brand new electorate. Why should I sit back and take that? 
The power that I have yeah. as an American guaranteed at birth is one man, one vote, and they're diluting it. No, they're not allowed to do that. Why are we putting up with this? Yeah, the fact that a primetime Fox host is saying this stuff is emblematic of the rightward shift of the mainstream GOP platform. Are there like other people in the media that we can talk about that exemplify this a He's little bit? He's not exactly in the media. He's a figure. He is a figure in the mm. American landscape, but Nick Fuentes okay. is pretty much the leader of the Groiper movement, which is basically a movement of young people, like really young people. I'm talking 15 to 23. Why is it called the Groiper? What does that mean? You know, I don't know exactly why it's called the Groiper movement. I've been trying to figure out why they call themselves Groipers. If anybody knows, please let me know. I've always been curious Believe as to it why. In the comments. Leave it in the reviews. Called. Yeah, why are they called Groipers? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but it's a movement of really young people, I'm talking 15 to 23, who are trying to successfully do what the alt-right, the original alt-right, like Richard Spencer and his people, failed to do. They're trying to be respectable, they're trying to enter political spaces and make themselves into a legitimate movement. Right, so they're still carrying those extreme beliefs, but they're just being more diplomatic about it? Is that their Right, they're trying point? to be electoral about it. Nick mm. Fuentes has this thing called AFPAC, the America First Political Action Conference, or maybe Coalition. Yeah. It's supposed to be like CPAC after right. dark. It literally happens right after CPAC. Like mm. they did one in February that happened right after CPAC. So AFPAC is one of the places that the Groypers congregate. Oh my God, <laughs> none of those words are in the Bible. None of those words are in the Bible, <laughs> truly. Um, but they also mostly congregate on the internet. Like, okay. you know, 4chan, Reddit, Twitter, TikTok, all the classics. But you know who spoke at AFPAC in February? Mm. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh my God, I killed her earlier. Or did she kill me, the bear? <laughs> <laughs> It was a tough fight, but Evangelia actually did come out victorious. But she was badly wounded and is going to be in intensive care for the next few days. So we're actually doing this from the hospital. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's a congressperson, as I learned earlier today. And for her to attend a blatantly alt-right group, it's like they're not even trying to hide it anymore. Like, they're white supremacists. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. It's becoming socially acceptable to be a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. And something that's interesting about Nick Fuentes in particular and his movement is that Nick's movement, unlike the original alt-right, which had its roots in 2008 internet atheism and was not explicitly Christian, Nick's movement is. It's trad-cath. And mm. that distinction between the original alt-right not really being a Christian movement and the grippers being a, or, or America first being a Christian movement gives Nick an edge because his movement is less swastikas and more apple pie and a cross. And if you're trying to bring fascism to America, that's the way to do it, which is why his mm. movement is more successful and he's more of a figure to watch out for, even though I also think he is a pathetic little scab of a man. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, it's like that kind of thing that I can't tell what's worse. Is it the insidious kind of white supremacy or the blatant kind? Because I feel like on one hand, politicians admitting that they're problematic and admitting that they have these beliefs is a good thing because there's a sort of transparency and people can know what we're dealing with in general. You know, when they're like, I am a white supremacist, you're like, wow, that guy's a white supremacist. There's nothing sneaky going on. Everyone is like hyper vigilant. But it also like normalizes being that way. I mean, we saw that with Trump and then the insidious kind of like weaseling these beliefs in might be a slower burn, but then it can end up indoctrinating people without them even realizing. Well, I would say the insidious kind also normalizes it. So, you know, yeah, no, yeah, I guess it, maybe that's worse. 
when you think of the original alt-right community, they kind of lost the battle but won the war in that mm. their beliefs have become more mainstream. Some of their beliefs, at least. I mean, people aren't going around saying we need a white ethno state in America, but the Great Replacement has gone mainstream. But they as a group don't exist anymore, and that's in part due to the bad press they received after Charlottesville. Enough people knew they were like blatant Nazis and their rally killed a woman, so they didn't want to be associated with them. And alternatively, people do want to associate with the Groypers, that's what you're saying? My, like, eh, sounds are just getting more intense as this yeah, podcast goes on. By season three, it's literally like you're going to say something that is kind of eh, and I'm going to be like... <laughs> it's just going to be only dogs can hear it. Yeah. Um, they aren't that popular amongst normal people, the Groypers, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people have distanced themselves from the movement. It's still going strong in a lot of ways, but actually, when I was at CPAC, mm-hmm. my girlfriend and I went around asking people if they knew who Nick Fuentes was, and if they said no, we knew the answer was no, and if they said, are you a Fed, then the answer was yes. Mm, what do they think that a Fed is going to do to them? Like, Do they really think that listening to a 24-year-old alt-right influencer boys like subversive enough to get them arrested i i don't know and i know like when i was going around asking people that like to those people to you people i probably look like i'm a fed or like a lawyer or banker Mm -hmm. or a lizard person maybe but at the end of the day i'm just an internet comedian so just so worse yeah much much worse much worse (laughs) yeah i'm something this is like they're like oh are you trying to get me arrested no i'm doing this for my podcast you should be more scared (laughs) (laughs) but actually we found out that a lot of people from mainstream conservative organizations because we were going around talking to people and we found out A lot of people from, if they work in, like, a mainstream conservative org, they were told to deny knowing anything about the Groyper movement when asked. So what what is that about? Um, Because, I mean, those conservative orgs, it makes them look bad. It makes them look bad to be associated with Nick. It's a good sign because it means there's still bad press for Nazis. But I actually talked to supporters of the Groyper movement, too. And one guy told us he went to dinner with fucking Greg Abbott. That's the governor of the Texas. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. So they had a little date night, the, this Groper kid and the governor of well, Texas. Well, it wasn't just him and Greg Abbott. That would be like... Oh. In, in this situation. He was I like, thought they were like sharing no, like spaghetti he, like, lady in the tramp in this, style. Like, organization, like group, and they had dinner with Greg Abbott. Yeah. Um, but basically, I don't know what group though, but... A group. <laughs> a group. A, a group, group of Groypers. I don't know if it was a group of Groypers. I don't know. I'm not sure, like, what, how that happened, but basically. The point is they were occupying the same, he, like, the governor of Texas was occupying the same space as Groypers. Yeah. Okay. Basically, even though mainstream conservatives are told to deny knowing them, they're still, some of them are having dinner with them, and they might not even know that there's Groypers in their midst. You know, they're just, like, infiltrating these spaces, so. So... People are, so they're not, like, purposefully interacting with these people. They don't know that they're they, Groypers? They don't know, or maybe they do know. I mean, Paul Gosar was getting in with Nick Fuentes, but then said that he didn't like him and tried to distance himself from him. It was a, yeah, it was... Hmm, it's all just a slutty little affair. Very on brand for politics. Yes. These people are infiltrating electoral politics and they're getting elected. Mm. There are far-right people already in Congress and a lot of far-right people that are currently candidates for the 2022 midterms. So how prominent is this? Well, the problem's actually worse when it comes to state legislators. 
Yeah, well, probably because people don't pay as much attention to those elections. Yeah, exactly. So according to an NPR article by Steve Inskeep and Odaf Yusef, the results of a study released this month, released in the month that the article was published, found that at least one in five Republican state legislatures across the country are affiliated with far-right groups on Facebook. There are also 15 candidates that have secured a spot on the general election ballot via primary elections for Congress in the 2022 midterms, and five independent candidates that have also secured a spot on the general election ballot. That is a shit ton. That is so many people. Yeah. And out of the 7,000 state legislative seats in the country, 875 of them had joined at least one far-right Facebook group. That's more than one in 10 of all state legislators and more than one in five of all Republican state legislators. (sighs) So what what does this mean for us, right? That's the question we always have to ask. I mean, in the last episode, you know, we talked about how there's this huge push for anti-gay legislation, and that's been culminating heavily within even just the past year or so. So it seems like we're headed down a pretty set course. This all feels like evidence for the same the same thing. Yeah, I mean, Roe got overturned. There's this big socially conservative thing going on in this country, yeah. housewife, TikTok, far-right people are infiltrating electoral politics, and there's this pending Supreme Court case called Moore v. Harper that could definitely increase the probability of those anti-gay legislations getting passed, as well as a lot of the other stuff on the far-right agenda. Oh, great. That's awesome. That's so cool. I'm, like, tired of asking for more information about this. Yeah, Evangelia's <laughs> eye, like, dark circles have actually been getting darker and darker throughout the course of this episode every time she asks me to explain something it's just it just, it gets just worse yeah you lose five minutes off your life yeah i think so time. every I think time so. i start talking about the far right um somebody one loses. of my cells dies a yeah bit. yeah it's fine whatever we're here to do this <laughs> This well, I am glad that you did ask, though, okay. because <laughs> not because your cell is going to die, but because in 2020, people said that North Carolina's congressional map mm-hmm. was too gerrymandered and federal courts aren't allowed to hear federal gerrymand. Federal courts aren't allowed to hear like partisan gerrymandering cases. Like, they were like, this is too oh, in favor okay. of Republicans. They took it to the North Carolina state court and the legislator in North Carolina proposed a second gerrymandered map. So they just tried to bamboozle them. They were like, oh, yeah, here you go. That, that's a good idea. We should change it. And then they just hand them back the, the same Another map. gerrymandered map. Okay. And the state court was like, no, you have to make a fair map. And so the legislators took this case to the Supreme Court to argue for the gerrymandered map since the state court said, no, they're like, we want to reinstate our gerrymandered map. I'm going to throw up. This is so much information. Who is gerrymandering? I'm just kidding. I know it's the little mouse from that cartoon. Yeah, my fee. I love when Tom and gerrymandering makes it so that George <laughs> Bush wins the 2000 election. It's true. So, so what does this have to do with alt right people? Like the the fact that the this state, North Carolina, keeps gerrymandering their map over and over again. Yeah. So, what does this have to do with anything? Well, the legislators are arguing that they should be allowed to keep their gerrymandered map, and the state court can't do anything about it because of this independent state legislature theory, which is basically an interpretation of the Constitution, which says that state legislatures have the power to do fuck all in regards with elections, even like fuck state constitutions, fuck the courts. The legislatures have all the power to do whatever they want with with elections in Mm -hmm. regards to election rules. So the far right, this connects to it. Because if the Supreme Court sides in favor of the state legislatures, this is going to fuck up our elections. It can mean that people will not be able to stop gerrymandering as easily. Mm -hmm. And if all of the state legislators on the far right are white supremacists, like we were saying before, we might just have to be at the will of their word, I guess. 
the problem. You get it. Yep. You get it. They okay. could put voter suppression laws in place and it will be extremely hard to stop them. So this is not the kind of answer people want to the question of what's going to happen. Well, this doesn't have to be what happens. You know, maybe... I mean, hopefully the state legislators don't end up insane. Vote for state legislators that aren't insane. Mm-hmm. Damn, I got to register. Yeah. Yeah. So you can register to vote on Instagram now. I saw that. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably do that. I'll do it from the What's Going to Happen pod account. Awesome. Oh, great. Our podcast is going to vote. This is what Trump <laughs> was talking about. <laughs> they have podcast voting. That's they true. have TikTok accounts voting. That's true. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. I registered to vote on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll do it if you guys dare me to. Everybody go dare me. If this gets one like, Evangelia will register to vote. Yes, like. <laughs> yeah, the future is in all of your hands. Well, on that note, you guys can find us on Instagram at What's Gonna Happen Pod and on Twitter at WGH Pod. Yes, thank you guys all for tuning in this week. I know it was a little bleak, but you know, we always have the power and whatnot. And from the panic attack I'm currently having after smoking a blunt with all 875 legislators and far-right Facebook groups, this has been What's Gonna Happen. <laughs> Just one blunt for 875 people. 876. Because of you, right. 875 oh, yeah. and me. I know, Molly. Molly's just in a chair in the center of the room. That's why I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> She's on stage. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.